talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back. It's Tuesday Buckeye Talk. Doug Lee Marie Smith, the Bear, Stephen Means, continuing the influential rankings. And uh, I had not checked, I hadn't been able to check the text for a couple days, Nathan. Um, and I went back to double check before we record this recording Monday afternoon, just to see if we got any reaction to the initial influential ratings that went up on Friday and not huge complaints, but I just, I finally saw uh, everybody saying you screwed up the Jackson Smith and Jigba uh, poll when I sent them out um, last week. And I was supposed to do, as I said, on the first pod, everyone was rated by the textures on scale of one to 10 Jackson Smith and Jigba. For, I just hit the wrong button. It was only a one to five ranking, but just a nod again to our very alert textures who, who make sure who keep us honest here, but no, nobody uh, saying uh, this is a terrible idea. The first nine guys were awful, right? Which I'm always on the lookout for. Well, I think there's a, there's always a spectrum of answers for these things. I think the more interesting thing is discussing it and maybe defending your stance than trying to pinpoint exactly where a guy is supposed to go. Yeah. I mean, it's um, you have to set a baseline to start the conversation. It's hard to just like come up with like, you know what? I was just walking my dog today, and I thought to myself, I think Josh Proctor is the 17th most influential player on this team this year. You know, like you can't – that's not a thing you grab out of the air. Before we get started, Stephen, again, let me rewind. We're going to do four of these pods where we rank the 25 most influential players. Stephen, Nathan, and I all rated them on a value of – on a scale of how valuable they are and then how special they are, which is their talent, how exciting, how fun, all that kind of thing. And then we also had the textures sort of do like a Q rating one to 10, just how good you think the guy is, how much you like the guy to cover who we already did. Number 25 was Steel Chambers. Number 24, Tanner McAllister. Number 23, Mike Call. Number 22, Noah Bruggles. Number 21, Kyle McCord. Number 20, J.K. Johnson. Number 19, Tyleek Williams. Number 18, Julian Fleming. And number 17, Matthew Jones. That's who we covered in the first pod. Steven, we got a text about uh, Julian Fleming. And I think maybe we've made this reference before, but I'm not sure. So I just wanted to cover it again. From the 3-3-0, the Julian Fleming conversation got me thinking, is a good outcome for him like Johnny Dixon? In 2017, he had 18 catches for 422 yards and eight TDs. In 2018, he had 42 catches for 669 yards and 8 TDs. Dixon was another guy who really had to overcome a lot to eventually become a contributor. But when he got his shot, he was a really big piece. Not the big piece, but really important. I don't know. Maybe some might see that type of career as underwhelming for what Fleming was coming in. But I think if he can be that with this team, that's like a monster outcome from the 3-3-0. I replied to that texture and I said, my gut instinct, Nathan was, or Stephen was like, that still maybe feels like, a little low, but like, but maybe not. I don't know. Maybe, maybe Johnny Dixon, listen, Johnny Dixon, there was a point with his knees where I think he thought, and we thought his career was over and then it wasn't. And it was like, Oh, Julian Fleming's not at that point, but is that a good for Johnny Dixon was a really valuable part of the 2018 passing game. Steven, is that a, a decent framework for a Julian Fleming conversation? First and foremost, 18 catches for 422 yards and eight touchdowns is pretty ridiculous. So shout out to Johnny Dixon for that. But 
if we want to say that Julian Fleming could have a stat line of what Johnny Dixon had in 2018, yeah, that would make sense. Given like, is that, that good? Like, we feel good about that. That's like, wow. Hey, Julian Fleming. Hey, it's not about, like, I think it's well, the framework of, like, is that. I think it depends on. You might have to measure it up against what everybody else is doing, too, though. That's yeah, part because Johnny yeah, Dixon yeah. doing what he did mixed with, oh, he only had that because Paris Campbell and K.J. Hill had this and Terry McCorn also had this. That's pretty good. But if that's Ohio State's second leading receiver, it's probably not that good. No, but if he's but if Julian Fleming is Ohio State's second leading receiver, that's great for Julian Fleming. Like yeah, if those, what I'm if, saying is. We're, well, are we asking, is it good for Ohio State or good for Julian Fleming? I mean, if he's I think Ohio talking, this is a list of the of valuable players. So I'm, I'm having a Julian Fleming conversation. I is think that if this is. It's, if he's the, if it's third on this team, then that, that's really good. If it's second, it's, it's OK. So it depends on where he falls on the list of like this Marvin Harrison. And I mean, we do, we know Jackson's going to have more than that, but does Marvin Harrison also have more than that. Is a Mac also around the same place. Cause then, yeah, that's really good. Cause that's a, a mirror of how good the uh, passing game was this year. But, but, what do you but think, context man? is important, but I think somewhat we don't want to get super bogged down in specificity of numbers. I think with Julian Fleming right now, because Julian Fleming doesn't have something that Garrett Wilson had going in his second year. Jackson Smith, the Jigby even had going in his second year. You could even start to argue about Emeka Egbuka going into his second year. They just haven't, he just hasn't flashed that much on the field. No, but we're not talking about Emeka Egbuka and Garrett Wilson. We're talking about Johnny Dixon. I'm trying to talk to you about the question. Yeah, what, what, what are you at? What is the question in here? Is I'm like, asking is, this... is, is Johnny Dixon a good comparison for Julian Fleming? Did, you, did Johnny Dixon look in those years? like he belonged on the field, like he was out there making big-time plays. That's what I'm getting at. That's the thing that Julian Fleming most needs to have happen in 2022 more than some number that we're throwing out right now. Okay, whatever. How am I already frustrated five minutes into this conversation? We've had 4,000 Julian Fleming conversations. I'm trying to get specific about what this texter asked. Johnny Dixon that year was third on the team in receptions and he was fourth on the team in receiving yards. And we put out Johnny Dixon stats. And I'm saying if Julian Fleming has a yes. Johnny Dixon year, is that good? And you guys are talking about Garrett Wilson and whether he ranks but, second or third. I'm just trying no, to what I'm saying is you, you, just said that he, you said that you said the fact that like he was third and fourth in those stat ca- categories, which is what I'm saying. Yes. If that's Julian Fleming stat line, he's also third and fourth on this team and passing and reception yards and t- receiving touchdowns. Yes. That's a really good year. And I'm saying I don't care what his stats are. I'm saying I care that he looks like a a big-time player no matter how many times they throw him the ball, which Johnny Dixon obviously did in 2018 to turn 18 catches into 420-some yards and eight touchdowns. Yes, that would be a good thing for Ohio State if he does that. All right, no more text or questions. Uh, I'll keep it on the list. We'll make it easier uh, so my head doesn't explode. All right, uh, number 16. So Julian Fleming was 18th. Matthew Jones was 17th, and that's where we cut it off. Nathan, you can you revisit? You said you had for your special rankings, you had thresholds, right? And we talked about on the previous uh, show just the way the numbers broke down. I think we kind of got thresholds here that we had four guys who had at least 45 points out of 50. Then we had six who were between 40 and 45. So that's our top 10. The group we're talking about now is between 35 and 40. They are number 11 through 16 on this list. And then 
The bottom nine guys in the top 25, they were between 30 and 35. What were your threshold breakdowns, Nathan? Because I think that could be slightly instructive with maybe like where these guys landed, as I think we've sort of, it wasn't the intention, but I think we've kind of created tiers here a little bit with how we view some of these guys. Yeah. And I did those tiers because I thought it was going to be weird if I was just like, well, this guy feels like this and this guy feels like this. And there was no sort of calibration for myself. Uh, you want just this, just on the special side of things. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think that's so, most so helpful. Right. So special I had to get a 20, you had to be like a Heisman contender. Okay. Like the specialist of the special, like you can be a great mm-hmm. player and never get anywhere near contending for a Heisman trophy. And then 15 would be all American, which is still really high, but if so, to be like an 18 means that you're closer to being a Heisman contender than you are to being just an All-American, if that makes sense. And then 10 would be first team All-Big Ten. And then all the way down at five would be like a lesser All-Big Ten, which I kind of said is the assumption that we have for any starter at Ohio State. Like if you're the starting middle linebacker at Ohio State, even if you're not a great player, you probably have a combination of like stats and respect, whatever, that gets you third team All-Big Ten. Yeah, I agree with that. The only thing I would have changed is just because, like, there are some positions where you're just not going to be a Heisman Trophy candidate because of what you play. It's like you have a chance to be the best player at your position in the country. Yeah, that's fair, I suppose. But then how special is the player third position that isn't as important? I don't know. We can get an offensive line. Yeah, offensive line is not one of the Heisman. But, like, if you're the best guard in the country. But Orlando Pace would have been a 20. Orlando Pace would have broke the scale. But this right. is a semantic yeah. argument. Well, I think I think we are vaguely within that range with these four levels. So then that first pod would would have been the level of like, could you be like a second or third team all Big Ten guy? Right. That like you're mm-hmm. you're definitely, you know, you're definitely gonna play, you're definitely gonna have a role, and do you have a shot at that? And again, this is it's not the guy, but for so what we're talking about today then. I do think it's decent. It's a decent range to say maybe these guys could be like first team all Big Ten, but I'm not sure they're really going to have much of a chance to do more than that, right? That like almost like Nathan, like a peak for them would like be like, hey man, did you see that that guy made first team all Big Ten? That's a great. He's not in an All American conversation, but first team all Big Ten. That's like a great year for him. I think sort of that's who we're talking about today. So let that guide you're thinking as you listen to this because number 16 on our list is Jordan Hancock as a second year corner. Kalen Johnson was number 20 on the list. Jordan Hancock is like kind of significantly higher with his overall points total. Nathan Jordan Hancock in this threshold, if we're trying to define this threshold and Matthew Jones was a 34.77 Jordan Hancock is a 36.15. So it's like a point and a half. Does that sound right for Jordan Hancock? Or are we a little high or maybe low on him as he's 16th on this list? It's right around the place where I had him on my personal list. And I think we're getting into an area here. Just think about the what it means to be a playmaker at I mean, Jones and Jones and Hancock are maybe two really interesting comparisons for a list like this. Because like, what does it mean to be a playmaker at guard? Not that they can't be an important player there, as opposed to what it would mean for Ohio State defense to have a playmaker at corner. I think that's almost the conversation that happens when you look at the two numbers that those guys have. Ohio State clearly needs someone like Matthew Jones to bring stability to that position and be a probably a starter all year and like lock it down, maybe take his next step. But the promise of what 
Jordan Hancock could be at a position where they kind of desperately need someone like Jordan Hancock to do that is, I think, reflected in those numbers. In the so on value and special for Jordan Hancock, I had 16 special, 14 value, and you guys each had him 15 in both. So that's pretty high, right? That like they really need him, but he also has a chance to be pretty darn good. He was a little lower in our texture rating. It was a 6.15 out of 10. He was 24th overall in that sort of Q rating for the texters. Steven, they've barely seen him. Like people don't really know. They don't have a handle on Jordan Hancock other than he was committed to Clemson in a class where they needed some big time corners and he flipped and it felt like a really big deal at the time that they made that happen. And frankly, Steven, like that's not nothing. That's kind of a lot. And then you sort of have like a first year where you sort of are learning the ropes. And now here you are in year two. And it seems like you have a role as the second, third or fourth corner on this team. But this may be a guy who's maybe as uh, unknown as any potential real contributor that we're going to talk about. Yeah, he's in the spot. Really, a lot of these year two guys are in, at least after you get past like the Denzel Burke, JT Tuimaloel, Jack Sawyer, Ameka Buka, Marvin Harrison discussion of it's a lot of word of mouth. And it's just like, trust us, this is coming. I, I was having a conversation with some, of this, some people uh, over the summer and the look they gave me when I said Jordan Hancock's name, it was like, yeah, he's from a talent standpoint, he might be the best in the room, even if Denzel Burke, because he actually got a year of being on the field and that got that experience. He's ahead of him right now, but it is going to be a lot of word of mouth. Hey, this guy's going to be really good until we get to the Notre Dame game and he gets a chance to put it on the field. I think as I look, I think he's seventh among the second year guys. Cause it's like you, you said like, well, it's, it's the case that a lot of these second year guys are kind of unknown except for, and then you name like five guys. Mm-hmm. So like people do have a much, I think, greater handle on Marvin Harrison Jr. based off three touchdowns in the Rose Bowl. And they have a, a better handle on JT Tumaloa and they have a better handle on um, maybe even like Jack Sawyer, right? Because mm-hmm. at least he's, he sort of dipped in here and there. This second year class, Nathan, I, I, I'm sure we'll, you know, we'd like, we, we break this roster down in every different facet you can break it down. And I'm sure at some point, either in stories or in a podcast, we'll really dig in on this second year class because it's such an important class. And it can be, you know, a lot of times you win with your third year guys, but your second year guys really are, can be a turbo boost to your roster. And this is, an interesting group. I, if he's seventh among the second year guys, does that feel right, Nathan? Just again, in terms of you're trying to mix potential pedigree, but also how much have we really seen? Yeah, no, I, that sounds about right to me. And it, it's interesting. I was doing some uh, research, if you call it that, on the which means just kind of looking at the roster for the, the Marshawn Lattimore, uh, Malik Hooker award uh, watch list that we do every year. I do every year. And I was looking at that 2020 signing class and um, I know we're talking about 2021 here, but that 2020 class that there is of the top 10 rated guys in that class, five have already started, but then you've got like a couple of guys who've been on the outside and three guys who've transferred. Like there's, there's sort of a gap here. And I think this second year group can really fill it. Yeah. There's going to be some opportunity, I think for this, for this second year group. So Jordan Hancock is 16th. And I think he offer, offers like an interesting kind of direct contrast to the guy who's one spot ahead of him, who's like the opposite kind of player. And I'm 
I'm going to ask you guys whether this is right. Should Hancock be ahead of that guy? But we'll do that next on Buckeye Talk. All right. 15th on the list is someone who's much more established, who's started for a whole year, but doesn't play as glamorous of a position. And I would assume we probably his special rating. Oh, I can look at it is lower than Jordan Hancock's. And it's Luke Whippler. 15th, Nathan, Luke Whippler is 15th right for Luke Whippler. And as we're trying to do this, the idea of influential, that it's not just best, it's not most established, it's not only valuable. I think this is like an interesting direct contrast. Not that Luke Whippler wasn't a highly recruited guy. He was. Is it right that Luke Whippler, who's back for year two as a starter, and Jordan Hancock's barely played at all, should Luke Whippler be one spot ahead of Jordan Hancock? Or should Jordan Hancock and the great mystery of, of, of uh, potential have him higher? I had Whippler slightly higher on my list, uh, same range. And I think this to me comes down to that importance factor because as important as it is in general for Ohio State to have someone step up at cornerback, there are at least a couple of other candidates. I don't think we look at center that same way. I know Matt Jones has played center, would presumably be the second center if there was an alien abduction for Luke Whippler, but that causes a chain reaction elsewhere, right? I think what Luke Whippler can be in, as a, a central piece of that offensive line and what it can mean for the offense in general is significantly important for this year. And yeah, I had I, I did have Hancock a couple points higher on special, but I had Whippler three points higher on importance and value. I think these two are a good case of the conversation. What weighs more value or special on a case-to-case basis? And because of I mean, the conversation we've already had with the offensive line and we'll continue to have with the lack of depth there because he's already started before and he's really smart, as Doug found out, that is more his value weighs more than Jordan Hancock's special where at that spot, he might not be the only special guy. And how close were the actual scores, Doug? Uh, fairly close. This was not uh, a big gap. It was Hancock 36.15, Whippler 36.25. So it's basically yeah, a coin flip. Yeah, yeah. That's an important thing to remember, too, yep. that like one spot in the rankings can sometimes mean, you know, fractional points. But and I do we our value rankings on Whippler were a 16, a 17 and an 18. Mm. Our special ratings on Whippler were a 12, a 12 and a 14. Where. You wouldn't want to lose him, but is he going to be an All-American? I don't don't know. We don't think so, right? So uh, I think that's fair. This is one of those – see, who's their third center? Jacob James. Yeah. So you would – and if if Whipler, you know, was abducted by aliens, you slide Jones to center and then, like, Josh Fryer or Enoch Enoch Mahi. Enoch would be the guard. Is the next guard. So um, what would that mean for the offensive line, Nathan? And again, maybe we'll do this. If we were doing a ranking of guys Ohio State can least afford to lose, which again is factored into a value rating, would Luke Whipler be pretty high on that, do you think? Well, I mean, we uh, isn't that sort of what we did when we put importance slash value? I mean, that's no, that I know. But I, so like, but specific, like if we're doing a top 10, like if we were doing guys they can least afford to lose, would he be below or above Jackson Smith and Jigba? I think he'd be borderline top 10. He'd be below Jackson Smith and Jigba. Okay. Mm. Would he be above or below uh, oh, my uh, JT Tumaloa? 
I write about the same range. Right. I had them. I had them with the same importance slash value score. Can I overthink a little bit? Yeah. Ameka Ibuka, as we know right now, isn't better than Jackson Smith the Jigba, but we're not a hundred percent sure of that. So, like, I would if you told me right now if I had to lose Ohio State starting center or their best wide receiver. I'll take my chances on Omeka Ibuka being just as special in year two after not doing anything as a true freshman than like being put in a situation where you now have to kick Matthew Jones over to center and then count on Inakwamahi as your right guard. He's done nothing here yet. I mean, you'd have CJ Stroud high on that list. You'd have the two tackles, Dewan Jones and Paris Johnson high on that list. Probably have Travion Henderson high on that list of like guys you can't afford to lose. Yeah. I'm not so sure you wouldn't have Whippler ahead of everybody on the defense. Maybe not Denzel Burke, but like if Cam Brown's healthy, like I, I mean, we probably should do that as a separate list. So I guess, I mean, it's one of those things because that the, your value is not just you. It's the position mm-hmm. you play and the backups at your position. And when you think about, well, center, you got to have a connection, whatever. And then also who's up next exactly. And what's the domino effect? I, I that's why our Luke Whippler value ratings were as high as they are. And so we, we probably could have done this. I mean, again, it's our list, so we're not going to disagree with ourselves too much. Nathan, Luke Whippler's 15th. Is it more likely that he should be higher or that he should be lower? It, uh, man, I, I, he's very, very slightly higher on my list. He's 13th on my list. But again, okay. it's, that's the range. The 13th, 15th, it's, it's essentially the same. Okay. So now we're getting – this is another good contrast. Emeka Egbuka is next. Emeka Egbuka is 14th. He's 37.13. And yes, the return game is a factor every time we bring him up. He does have a role as the returner, but we haven't seen a huge history in recent times of that being a huge impact for Ohio State. It, although, Nathan, you also did write about, you know, this guy feels like he's on the edge of breaking one. So, you know, you never know if you're playing a tight game against Notre Dame or Michigan or Wisconsin or Iowa and a Mecca breaks off a punt return, that could be really, really important. But where I think a most of the chunk of this has to still be his role as the second, third, or fourth receiver. Emekek Buka, 14th, does it feel right? He's a top 10 player on my list. But but I, I leaned hev- more heavily on special teams maybe than you guys did. I just think he's such a difference maker there, potentially. And really, even with what he's already doing, like the three years of Ohio State football I've watched, it's been a lot of clunky crap at in the kick return game a lot of not that special stuff even for someone like garrett wilson in the punt return game very pedestrian work there i think overall and emeka buka flashes in a different way when he gets a ball in his hands on a kick return you put his value at 17 that's yeah. how nathan, nathan or steven and i had his value at 14 so that's mm-hmm. where i think i do think it, that's that special teams aspect matters to you more you had him top 10 on your list number 10 number 10 Steven, is this too low for Rebecca Booker, or are we on the right range here? No, I think I had him, what, like 17th? I think he's the, fir- he's the first 30 that shows up on my list. I, and the, I compared him with Julian Fleming, and I just gave him one extra point of special. That was the difference between the two. So, I mean, it is one of those, like, he's not probably – who do we think – when, the, when they put, if they, they're going to put three receivers on the field – for the first snap against Notre Dame, we assume, or the first snap they do put three receivers on the field. Who are we assuming are the three receivers as we sit here today? 
Jackson in the slot, Marvin at X, and Julian Fleming at Z. Is that what you're assuming, Nathan? Yes. So he's not a starter, Correct. right? Technically, right? He's not one of the 22 people that you would call an offensive or defensive starter, but he's 14th on this list. And for Nathan, that special teams has something to do with that. But even I think beyond there's, there is that special aspect. He's the number one recruit in his class. He's the best receiver in the country. And he's only a second year guy. This is a lot of, of special at work here. And I do think there's a lot of hope and expectation here. He was 12th on our texture Q rating. Nathan, when you're when you're the number one receiver recruit in the country, you you carry that for a while. And it's just one of those, he and Julian Fleming are like in the same spot. Julian Fleming's one year older, which actually I think in this kind of thing works against you. Because it's like once you are more removed from your recruiting rating and you haven't exploded on the field, people yeah. start to give up on you. But nobody's given up on Emeka Guki yet. He's exactly still on track. You start your career with this like reserve of special. People are going to give you the benefit of the doubt on, but the more they see you without seeing special, they assume less special is there. And with Igbuka, I think it's a combination of not playing a ton of reps last year, but playing enough and actually did flashing some things, you know, um, the the long uh, uh, catch and run that he had. uh, I can't remember the opponent now off the top of my head. Um, And then what he did in the, 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 the return game. I just think those are flashing special things mm-hmm. and I'm not trying to pile on Julian Fleming. We just haven't seen him have the opportunity or even when he's had the opportunity, the, the special little flashes haven't been there. Brian Hartline went and got the top receiver in back-to-back recruiting classes and neither one of them are in the top 10 of this ranking. Well, because there's another guy in their class who are ahead of both of them. Yes. That honestly, if I, if Jackson Smith and Jigba and Marvin Harrison jr were the number one receiver recruits in their class, then it would be like, man, look at that. Boom, boom. But it just so happens, you know, they were like the second or third guy in their own room in their class. And now they're higher on the list as Mm -hmm. we know happened. So um, I do think it's, again, we covered this a lot. We don't have to do a ton of time on Agbuka because we did it on the market down Monday that you guys, again, if you haven't listened to, go back and listen to. It's the previous podcast where we dug into who's going to be Ohio State's second leading receiver. He, Steven, he doesn't have a ton of stats. He did not do a ton mm-hmm. offensively last year. But again, Jackson Smith and Jigba didn't do a ton offensively in year one and went crazy in year two. And I do think I almost, I almost, this would be a graphic, I guess. Um, Steven didn't play with these. Nathan, did you like have matchbox cars? Did you play with Matchbox cars? When you um, I don't remember. I, I I know I very quickly got into like Star Wars and GI Joe, but I'm sure there were some Matchboxes earlier. So you had like the Matchbox car, which is like it's like a little car, the size of a Matchbox. People, I mean, again, there's a portion of people listening to this who are like, "Tell us more, Grandpa," and other people are like, "Yeah, Matchbox cars." So uh, you had like a little plastic track that you could get with it, and then you would put the car on the track. And you would just push the car and then maybe you could do a loop to loop with the car and you could put the track together and the car was on the track. So uh, I'm almost interested at, like, if, we, if we could do it graphically, but like what is a, what are the tracks at Ohio State? And I do think fans and media are with you while you're on track. And then. When you're no longer on track, your Q rating starts to decline. Your expectations, your special rating starts to decline. And so I think, Stephen, I think we would have a handle on like what 
at the in the receiver room, what's the track? In the offensive line room, what's the track? For defensive ends under Larry Johnson, what's the track, right? And I do think your track is different whether you're a top 50 national recruit or mm-hmm. a top 250 or not in the top 250. But it's a long way of saying like Emeka Buka is still on track and Julian Fleming isn't. Not that it's his fault, but I, that affects our view of things when actually, like, if we're trying to break down, well, who's more talented? Well, who's fits better at this position? Well, who's better after the catch? Who's better at high pointing it? Who runs better routes? Who's faster? Who, right? All those things. I don't know that we know. We just know Emeka Buka is still on track. Yeah. I, and the, the part of the problem with the track is the track is vague. It doesn't add context into things, but I, I think with the wide receiver room, your your track is if you're a top 100 recruit, you need to be on special teams as a freshman. It doesn't matter if you early enroll or you show up in the summertime because Jamison Williams showed up in the summertime and he was on special teams as a freshman. Year two, you should be in, you should be getting on the field in some capacity, whether you're a starter or you forced him to play more than three guys. And in year three, have fun, have at it, buddy, buddy boy. And so far. Jackson Smith, the Jigba was on that track. Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Buka have both been on that track. Emeka Buka took being on special teams as a freshman to a whole different stratosphere by being the guy with the ball in his hands. But Marvin Harrison was also on special teams. He was a pump blocker last year and he had the, the safety against Indiana. So both of those guys are on track. Julian Fleming, because context isn't on track. But I think that's the wide receiver track. Special teams as a freshman, you force your way onto the field as a sophomore. And then year three, Let's see if you can turn yourself into a first-round pick in three years. Okay. This guy is .02 ahead of Emeka Buka, and it is the most interesting, continues to be probably the most interesting, divisive evaluation. Well, it's like divisive while not being divisive. Like, I think everybody kind of thinks the same thing, but we all might be wrong, which is Zach Harrison. Fourth-year Zach Harrison, who's been a productive Ohio State football player, for three years, could have gone to the NFL draft and didn't. Emeka Buka was 37.13. Zach Harrison is 37.15. Nathan, 13th for Zach Harrison. There are two defensive ends ahead of him. Is this right? 16th on my list. I think it's right. I think uh, the impact has been uh, fine, but I don't think it is we don't have reason to believe at this point that it is as potentially uh, game changing as some of these other guys. And the, as I said before, that reservoir of special, it hasn't depleted for him. It's just not like sloshing over the top when someone tries to move it the way it was when he was a freshman. I think five-star track also has a peak on a list like this. And it's your junior year. I think he probably would have been top six last year with the way they were talking about him in the off season. The fact that he was a five-star he probably would have been top six. And if you have to come back for year four, if you have to come back for your senior year of college, then you start sliding back down and you can almost have a significant drop a little bit. So I think this is right. He's 13th overall. He was 13th for the Texters as mm-hmm. well with that Q rating. Uh, our ratings for value, 14, 15, 16, and for special, 14, 15, 16. So he's pretty important. We still think he's pretty good. Um, I The value here, Nathan, the value. Say Zach Harrison had gone to the NFL and you were coming back with JT Tumalo out, Jack Sawyer, 
Javante Jean-Baptiste, Tyler Friday, and then young guys, right? Caden Curry and everybody else. How big of a hole does it feel like he may have left if he had gone? It's tight because, again, I, I gave him a 14 on my list. That is one point short of where I'd set 15 for the threshold for me was Big Ten championship de- chances decrease with absence. So if, if he's not around, their chances of winning the Big Ten decrease. And I'm having like just below that level. And in part, it is, it's guys we haven't talked about yet, but it's it's what they have coming behind him that um, flat did as much, I think, as freshmen, especially in the case of Tui Malowau, um, gave you as much reason to have big promise for what's coming immediately um, and that they may be able to just absorb a lot of the production you would expect to come from him. I think his return does more to help Ohio State if things go the way we think they're going to go than him leaving would have hurt them. Because if he's their third best, let's just say J- JT is everything we think he's going to be, and then Jack takes that step as well. If Zach Harrison's Ohio State's third best defensive end, that's one of the best defensive lines in the country. Yeah, and if one of those guys got abducted for two weeks, I don't fine. think anybody would panic, mm-hmm. right? It is This is like another list. It's almost like Ohio State luxuries. This is like a this is about as classic of an Ohio State luxury as maybe I can think of in my time covering the team. That we're like, ah, yeah, Zach Harrison, five-star recruit, back for his fourth season, has been a contributor every year he's been here. Yeah, that's a nice guy to have on the team. And and there are 13 other teams in the Big Ten that are like, I think he would be our best defensive player if he played for us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we're like, well, I guess it's nice that he's back, but you know, I don't know that he's gonna start. Or I don't. But it, it is it is a, a classic example of if this is your depth, as you said, Stephen, like if this is your depth, because, again, we're talking about guys who are high on our list who aren't necessarily starters. Do we think he's a starter? Do we think he starts against Notre Dame, Stephen? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think, think he starts. starts. OK, yeah. so he is. So but he's like, but he's the third defensive end. Not to give it away, but JT and Jack Sawyer are both higher on this list than he is. So this is a, a, a again on the I, again. This is like another chart. This is like the yodeler chart uh, of the different peaks of like when you're a f- the five star recruit peaks, right? Your year one, this whatever. But it is like it's almost like Nathan. People don't want five star recruits to be seniors. It's almost like oh mm. oh. Well, oh, you're a senior and you're a five star recruit. Well, what went wrong there? It's like nothing. Nothing went wrong. He's played a ton of snaps and has been quite a good football player. I mean, potentially the evaluation was wrong at one point. Potentially it wasn't as accurate. You know what I'm saying? That could have been wrong, but there's nothing wrong with the player. It's just that this has been the hardest position. I think even more than cornerback, the hardest position since I've been here at Ohio State to really calibrate what to think of guys, because they were so consistently bringing in those defensive end guys who were exploding and, and leaving after three years. Like they had to leave after three years. Bosa's had to leave. Chase Young had to leave. Like you can't, those guys can't let's leave that money on the table. They had to leave. It would have been insane for them to come back another year. And that just didn't happen with Harry. It didn't happen with Tyreek Smith. That's two guys back to back now where it's like, yeah, good. That's good. They're good players. And they're going to be NFL players. Tyreek Smith's there right now. But like the explosion doesn't happen and has or hasn't in, in Zach's case. It sucks because somebody has to come behind the guy who might be like one of the greatest ever. And Zach Harrison just happens to be the guy who has to come after the guy who might be the greatest ever. 
who's a better football player, Tyquan Lewis or Zach Harrison? That's like a thing. Like Tyquan Lewis was the Big mm-hmm. Ten defensive lineman of the year. Tyquan Lewis played with Boses his entire career. Mm-hmm. Tyquan Lewis was never asked to be the biggest pass rush threat on any team he was a part of. And Tyquan Lewis wound up being a second round pick in the NFL and was like a pretty good NFL player. Whereas Zach Harrison, his freshman year, he was with Chase Young, but then in 20 and 21, it was sort of like, okay, Zach Harrison, go do your thing. Well, and then it was like, oh, he's not Chase Young. And it's like, oh, okay, well, like who's Ty- – so it, it is – I just think we have to peel – and again, Taekwon Lewis was not a five-star recruit, so that's part of the, the – we're talking about five-star recruits. But if you peel Chase Young and the Bosa's off the top layer and just say rare, 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 don't compare anybody to them, and then you start to do stuff, doesn't Zach Harrison stack up with – Tyquan Lewis and Sam Hubbard and Jalen Holmes and Tyreek Smith and kind of everybody pretty well. Um, and that's a good football player. It's, it's, it's we've, we're having the same discussion again. Uh, we, I'm, I'm so curious, but, Nathan. I'm so curious. Yeah. I don't know what's going to happen this year with him. I'm so curious. I, I didn't, I started to say this before and then I didn't because I think sometimes it's really unfair for when we try to like sort of, psychoanalyze guys at this distance. But I did wonder, since you brought it up, I'm going to go ahead and say it. I do wonder like, if what Steven's talking about, if, if JT Tuimaloao has his just, you know, all-American kind of breakthrough, and Jack Sawyer also takes his big step, does that mean it's more likely that we also see the best year of Zach Harrison's career? Mm, where he doesn't have to be. He has more help than he's ever had. Because all because- those guys you were talking about, maybe Zach Harrison has been playing at their level that kind of hasn't been good enough, not because of a fault of his, but because of the fault of everything around it. Go back and go back and listen to the, the, the market down Monday recap that we did, where we were talking about the sack numbers going into this year, where Doug said, well, if nobody has, if, if their leader only has five sacks, they're not going to the playoff. True. Like, and we, where we predicted like where people were going to land and it, it fell far below that. And it's not just him. He contributes to it. But when there's nobody else picking up any of the slack, it makes what seems like a a absence of him be even larger when I don't think that's completely fair. I think Nathan might be on to something because now some of this is because Jonathan Cooper was hurt in 2019. So he only played four games and Tyreek Smith was dealing with injuries, but I think Zach Harrison, even as a true freshman was Ohio State's second best defensive end in 2019. Mm. So it's I like it's possible. Yeah. Some people are very, very elite when they get to be Robin. But when you make him be Batman, then it's a little bit difficult for them. And I think he might be elite. He might be a Scottie Pippen. And he's just looking for his Michael Jordan. In a world where Michael Jordans are like falling off the tree in Larry Johnson's room sometimes. And everybody's like, "Uh, hello, Uh, where's our Michael Jordan? There was a Michael Jordan here for six straight years. Where is our Michael Jordan? And it's sort of like, you understand that most teams don't have a Michael Jordan every year, right? It's like, well, from the 419, on Zach Harrison's Q Factor, I'm curious if I'm alone on this or not. I feel like the hype around Zach Harrison has been so massive, while the exciting moments on the field have just never come. I recognize he's a good dude, really hard worker, and a talented player via PFF, but with media hype levels comparable to Chase Young's, I have some Zach burnout. 
I feel like I'm always hearing, oh, man, get ready. He's about to go nuts. But the actual excitement I have is about a one, Nathan. Do you think that is reflective of sort of a general view here in July before his fourth year? Yes, but again, I think it's tied back into that rating that he he didn't campaign to be a five-star. He just went out and played football, and somebody put that on him. You know what I mean? If he had come here as a top uh, 150 or number 150 prospect, I think people would be looking at his career in a completely different way. It would be like, oh, he's actually given Ohio State maybe a little bit more than what they thought at this point. I mean, he's been a three-year solid contributor, a guy who that was even in the mix to maybe be a an NFL draft pick if he wanted to be last year. Like, it, it, that's the – and there's – he can't control that. He didn't do anything to, to control it. He didn't run for five-star. He just went out and played football up in Olentangy, and they decided he was one. And that has colored his whole career. And that's something that we kind of have to keep in mind uh, when we talk about these guys, because I think it's, it is absolutely true that a lot of times those um, ratings are very accurate. Like they didn't get it wrong with Chase Young. They didn't get it wrong with Jackson Smith and Jigba and CJ Stroud. So it's hard to completely criticize the whole industry. Um, but I also don't criticize Zach Harrison just because he didn't live up to their expectations. I also don't think it's completely wrong. He's just, he doesn't get sacks. He does everything else. Very excellent. And he's still, I mean, he ran a hundred of like a 10, he had like a 10, 700 in high school. So all the other traits are there. It's just, he doesn't get the sacks and that's the sexy stat for that position. No, I do think, and a little bit of that is I think also attributable that their corner play hasn't been as good lately mm-hmm. as it was when Jeff Okuda and Damon Arnett were locking people down and quarterbacks mm-hmm. were trying to get the ball out and they didn't have anywhere to go. And Chase Young was like, thank you. I'm going to sack you now. Not yep. that Chase Young also didn't get the quarterbacks in the second and a half on his own. The half front the time. and the back work together, man. The so front I do back work together. I do think Zach has sort of fallen into Zach's fallen into a gap here. Sort of, you know, I mean, we've talked for two years about how the Ohio state defense isn't good enough. And I think you could look at it and say, well, like if Zach Harrison was, would be a little bit better, then maybe that wouldn't have been an issue. But also there were 10 other guys on the field with him that a lot of people would say, man, Ohio State defenses are typically better than that. So he both is like a cause and an effect of sort of a two-year dip in Ohio State's defensive play. But I do think, Nathan, it's more effect than cause. It's not like, hey, why was Ohio State's defense kind of not that great for two years? And it's like, oh, Zach Harrison. It's like, that's not it. Nobody is saying that. But but if in fact, he had, it wouldn't be that high on the list, really. No, I mean, I don't think it would be. T- it would be the top five. It might not be in the top ten, right? I mean, it's like they need more pass rush. They need more sacks, and he's part of that. But I do think it's it's a it's an interesting spot for him. I think in the end, we're in the right zone with and him again at thirteen. And I think that's where that five star thing comes in because I think with five stars, you almost look at them the same way you do free agents in like the NFL. Like, oh, they went out and spent all this money to get this guy. And then he didn't perform. He didn't come through. He didn't produce. And I think sometimes people almost look at five stars in that same way that like, obviously it had to spend all this capital or something to bring him in and pin their hopes on him. And then if he doesn't live up to that amount, then that, that uh, it is interesting though. I think if we had done this same exercise after his freshman year, going into his sophomore year, would you guys have all had him higher in special? Yeah. Yeah. I think and going I think into the sophomore year and the Texas into his sophomore yeah, year for sure. I think we'd be talking about him the way we're going to talk about JT when we get to him. Just because I, I mean they play the same number of snaps. Zach, so I'm looking at his uh, his uh, snaps for the 2019 season. The second most snaps he played all season was in the 
the Fiesta Bowl against Clemson. It was 25. So I think we'd be talking about him just like we're talking about JT, the five-star who played in year one, and now in year two, he's ready to go. I have the same special score right now on Zach Harrison as I do Denzel Burke. Yeah, you have uh, 14 for his special, for, for Zach Harrison's special, right? Right. Yeah, Steven had 15. I had 16. Uh, I'm still holding out a little more special hope on him. Okay. Come back. We'll wrap it up. The next two guys are linked. And do we have them in the right order? It spots 11 and 12. We'll do that next on Buckeye Talk. All right. So we're moving in on our top 10. Again, today, Jordan Hancock, 16, Luke Whipler, 15, Emeka Buka, 14, Zach Harrison, 13. These guys are number 12 and number 11. One is a 38.76. One is a 39.48. Again, Zach Harrison was a 37.15. So 38.76, that's a point and a half higher. And then the next one is like another half point higher. So this is a bit of a jump to these two guys. And Nathan, I will tell you, well, there are two guys who are linked. Do you want to guess who they are? Two guys who are linked. Um, hum, 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 hum. It seems low for Tui Maloow and Sawyer. It's not them. Steven, do you have a guess? They're linked. I would say. Have we, have we, we done Proctor and Hickman? I was going to say that. Yeah. That's who it is. Okay. So it's Proctor and Hickman. Who do you think is 11? Who do you think is 12? Steven, who do you think is 11? I think Josh is higher just because his special might be higher than Ronnie's value. I'd, Nathan, I'd who do you think is higher? I'd vote the same. And they were that way on my list, but practically yep. right. Okay. That is correct. Josh Proctor is 39.48. Ronnie Hickman is 38.76. And then number 10 on this list that we will get to on the next podcast is a straight 40. So that's our next dividing line. These guys did not quite make 40. Why is Josh Proctor ahead of Ronnie Hickman, Nathan? I think it's that that special, undefinable quality where he gets, I think, still in, I guess, obviously in our eyes, but in the Texter's eyes, still gets a little bit extra. For me, is actually they had the same score overall. I have them both at a 29. I have Proctor a little bit higher in special. I have Hickman a little bit higher in important slash value. I had Hickman, his value was 18, his special was 12. Josh Proctor, his value was 15, and his special was 16. And so he gets one more point overall than Ronnie Hickman. So how much that, – that's about where we are. The, the Hickman uh, is 17.7 to 15.7 ahead of Proctor in value. Hickman was 17.7 in value. Proctor is 15.7. And in special – um, Proctor is 15.7 Hickman's 13.3. So that's the difference. Hickman's more valuable. Proctor's more special. Do we mostly think that Josh Proctor is special because when Bryson Shaw replaced him, we missed him. Is his absence. No. What makes us think he's special or is it something else? No, I think you can go back to previous seasons. You can go back to, flashes especially i guess in 2020 where i know that was a convoluted year for him um or maybe even 20 was it 2019 when he was first getting on the field 2019 Um, when he had the pick and then he had to hit the big 10 championship game i mean he has gotten on the field and there have been some of those higher end flashes whereas hickman and i don't really mean this as a criticism it's been more about just a steady um but 
significant baseline of play, right? Like he accumulates a hundred tackles. That's different than when you're like making diving interceptions and big hits on quarterbacks and stuff like that. I think it's fair to say that Josh Proctor's ceiling is significantly higher, but I think Ronnie Hickman's floor is also higher than Josh Proctor's. He's like the pro. He's a complete, he's a complete do your job guy. And he does it at a quality level while Josh Proctor has literally flashed every year that I've watched him play meaningful snaps. So this is Josh Proctor's fourth year, right? Coming in Josh Proctor's fourth year. Fifth, fifth year for it him. It is fifth? It is yes, fifth. Fourth year for Ronnie Hickman. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So we had had a lot of conversations. Dax Hill was a, an Oklahoma safety that went to Michigan, was a first-round pick in last year's draft. Josh Proctor, safety from Oklahoma, big-time recruit, went to Ohio State. Dax Hill was on the field last year, had the opportunity to show what he could do. Josh Proctor to sort of not have the opportunity to do. I do think, Nathan – Nathan, who has done more in his Ohio State career, Josh Proctor or Zach Harrison? Zach Harrison. And who was a higher-rated recruit? Zach Zach Harrison. Harrison. Both were rated high. And who's been around longer? And as the longer you're around, the more you fall off. Josh Proctor's been around one year longer, right? So somehow I think not playing has helped Josh Proctor. In this exercise, because he has, as a fifth year guy, he has retained an air of mystery and we ain't got no mystery around (laughs) Zach Harrison. Right. And all we have around Zach Harrison is like, well, he's productive. Right. And Josh Proctor like, oh, he was hurt and his backup drove us crazy. Ooh, now he's back. Ooh, it's so exciting. The the argument for Josh Proctor is he wouldn't be here right now if he didn't get hurt while I mean, Zach Harrison played last year and he's still here, but also, yes, the Bryson Shaw thing, but even with Bryson Shaw gone now, I think we're comfortable with the guys that are coming behind Zach Harrison. We think we're comfortable with the guys who are coming behind Josh Proctor. We're not sure completely yet, but we think. And we can't, I mean, it's still in the back of my mind that in 2020, Proctor didn't start for this team. Like there had to be a, like a complete collapse by the guy that they picked in front of him, but that was several weeks into this year. And yes, you can attribute that to maybe to poor coaching and poor decision-making. But I also, I sort of think that, I mean, you know, Kerry Combs, Matt Barnes kind of know what they're doing too. And if it had been so obvious that Josh Proctor was better, yeah. wouldn't he have been on the field? So I, I don't know that I've ever seen a guy entering year five at Ohio state retain as much mystery and potential as Josh Proctor has that people he's eighth on our texture Q rating for a guy who has been around five years, again, has been good, has made some big plays, has also had some unfortunate injury luck, but you know, the textures, again, I'm not putting on the textures because we're right there with them with our rating, but Josh Proctor is eighth. Zach Harrison is 13th in the texture rating. And it's like, really? Right. really? We're just as guilty of this. Cause I mean, I no, think I a good comparison would be like Teron Vincent. Tom Vincent, similar career path in a lot of ways, right? Except he was an even higher rated prospect coming in. Right. And I have Josh Proctor eight points higher than yeah. Tron Vincent. It's, total, it's total the flash, score. man. The flashes like have been spots. the flashes have been just impressive enough to keep yeah. him here. While with Teron Vincent, he just he's had one good game. Yeah. But, but the flashes the flashes do kind of matter because they do. It's why they, we, do. They, do. they do. I'm uh, yeah, I'm not devout. I'm just saying that his flashes are I get interceptions and I knock people out and hits that's as a safety. What else could you ask for? Not yeah. just do it more. 
and stay healthy. So again, a lot of it, again, it's not his fault. It's not like he's injury prone. He like had a legitimate injury and it was bad luck. So uh, it's interesting. I think we, we, it's just, we all wind up with views and listen, we influence our texters. They're our most loyal Ohio state, our most loyal Buckeye talk listeners. They like it so much. They pay three ninety nine a month for texts. People, I think the way we talk about Zach Harrison and Josh Proctor, like I'm not saying we're guilty of this, but we retain more upside hope for Josh Proctor than we do for Zach Harrison. When actually by production, Zach Harrison has produced more for Ohio state. And I, Nathan, you make a good point. This is a guy who at a point in his career, when you thought he would be reaching his prime, like didn't win a starting job, surprisingly didn't win a starting job. And then he got hurt. And so I think it's very interesting. I think 11th in the end isn't wrong, but I'll, I don't know what's going to happen with Josh Proctor either. Right. He could be one of the 10 best players on this team, or he could sort of Lathan Ransom comes back and Cam Martinez does his thing. And look, here comes Court Williams and Ronnie Hickman. Listen, that's the one thing. Ronnie Hickman is going to be on the field. Yep. Like, and he's going to be a good player. Ronnie Hickman's like the Zach Harrison of the back end. Like Ronnie Hickman's going to be solid. It's just, he wasn't a five-star recruit. So people, as we said, now we're back to the Zach Harrison conversation. Don't hold anything against him. He's a good, solid football player. Proctor's ahead of him on this list. And I'm not sure he should be, but it's, this is the special coming into play. But by the way, the guy's been here for five years. So at some point you got to show the special if you've got it. And he had bad luck last year. He seemed like maybe he was on the verge of showing it last year. And then he got hurt for the year. So good luck to Josh Proctor getting back this year. That is 16, 15, 14, 13, 12, and 11 on this list. Our next influential podcast will be later this week. We'll get into the top 10. Try the text at 614-350-3315 and read us at cleveland.com slash OSU. The plan is for a navel gazing podcast on Wednesday where we ask for advice on how Buckeye Talk can be better. What do you want to hear? What do you want to see changed? What do you want us to do more of, less of? That's the plan for Wednesday, because football's almost here. This is our last chance to really, we navel gaze all the time, but this is a full navel gaze. We want you guys to help make us Buckeye Talk, uh, help us make Buckeye Talk better. That's the plan for Nathan Baird, for Stephen Means. That was our latest, most influential list, and that was Buckeye Talk. Buckeye Talk.